Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode numero dos of Cold One with Kyle, a podcast where we specialize in craft beer and great conversation. This week's episode is being recorded from Boston, Massachusetts, and my guest is Mr. David Moore. David is another one of my new work colleagues that I uh, met back in late July of this year, and we had a very pleasant time talking about everything from action sports to traveling across Europe uh, and all sorts of things in between. So hope you guys enjoy. Let's get it going. You like that? Uh, what's up, man? We're here. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. Just uh, sharing this hotel room with you. I don't know why I asked you that. We've spent literally all day. Today. Yeah, every hour together. Literally, we uh, this program does some weird things to you. Yeah, man. I mean, that's why we push the beds together. Yeah. Well, it's cute. You know, I can hold your hand if we do that. Exactly. Yeah. Keeps us warm at night. Yeah. It's pretty cold here in Boston. The CBB. We don't have to say we can say Turn some the heat. heat off, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So. What's going on, man? Like, how how was your? It's like it's like hard to start it off because I want to say, "Hey, how was your day?" But like you said, we've been together all all day. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny if you're like, "Oh, hey, how was your day?" I'm I know. Like, well, you know how it was. <laughs> um, wait, what did you just have for dinner? We we went to a place in uh, the north end of Boston, the yeah. Italian end, uh, called Pan Panza. Panza, yeah, Panza. yeah. What did I, you have? I had a, a pretty good dish. It was fettuccine with um, a lot of seafood in it. It had like clams and scallops and and uh, some mussels. It was really, really good. Did it? It was a red sauce though. Yeah, it was like a spicy sauce. I'd never had spicy Italian food before. It was uh, unique to say the least. I liked it. I like spicy food, so. I it thought was, fettuccine cool. had to be like white sauce. That's fettuccine Alfredo, I think. Alfredo, oh, because it's Alfredo sauce. sauce? I think fettuccine is the pasta. Itself. Fettuccine is the noodle. I should know that. Yeah. Did you know I used to work at Noodles and Company? Really? You did? Yeah, for my entire senior year of high school or of college. Of college? Yeah. Really? You yeah, spent some time in your hands. I had a lot of time <laughs> on my hands. I was well, I've actually I've, I've heard all about that, but like what's the, what's the place like itself? Like give me an outsider's perspective. Yeah, it's actually like pretty – it's a – Pretty great restaurant. Like yeah. I was surprised at the freshness and the quality of the of the food mm-hmm. because like they pre they pre make the noodles and then they like freeze them. So then all they have to do is just like throw them like up. yeah heat it up. <laughs> but everything else is is fresh every single day. And if it's like they have like timestamps on it, I'd never worked in like fast casual food either. But if there's like timestamps on it that were a little bit too late, then they would just like throw it away. Um, but yeah, man, I basically ate. This podcast is brought to you by Noodles and Co. <laughs> I basically ate. Um, I basically ate a noodles dish once or twice a week for every single day for the entire my entire senior year. So you basically know your way around a noodle. I know my way around a noodle, and yeah. I know my way around carbs. Yeah, carbs. Carbs are great. I was carb loading the entire. I was carb loading for this program for a whole year because <laughs> you needed to. <laughs> yeah, drinking exactly. Um, it's like a nightly thing. Yeah. Did you Did you work in college at all? Um. No, 
uh, I was I was lucky that I didn't have to, yeah. and I put in my hours doing other stuff that just took up way too much time outside of out of uh, academics. I was like what? president of my fraternity, and I was president of the inner fraternity council. Oh, at the so, same time. At the same time, which usually is against the bylaws. I was going to say they made an exception for me and the guy before me. Um, well, so. they made an exception for the guy before me, but I say that they made an exception for me because it sounds cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was really busy just kind of, I was either in class in the Greek life office or, you know, getting yelled at by some kid because I was supposed to fix something in my own house. Yeah. I dropped the ball. <laughs> what, uh, what fraternity? Kappa Sig. Okay. That's what I thought. The Alpha Epsilon chapter. It, which is your, is that your mother chapter? No, no, no. It, that We were like the 13th chapter, I think, I want to say. I didn't, I never actually counted, but that's yeah. about right. We were founded in Virginia. And uh, those, we, I've actually never been, but I heard those guys are, are a pretty fun bunch. Yeah, that's how uh, our mother chapter is in Alabama. Oh, yeah. Uh, and... I heard I heard you have to be like a like a third generation uh, uh, alum just to or uh, third generation like legacy just to be able to get into the rush parties. Yeah, it's uh, from what I've heard, it's pretty competitive. Um, Kappa Sig is pretty big. Yeah, it's the largest fraternity nationally um, by number of brothers. I don't know. I don't think by number of chapters, though. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's huge. Because it's it kind of felt that way. Because it's Kappa Sig. It was they were huge at Purdue too. It's like Kappa Sig, Sig Chi, and SAE. I think are probably the three biggest. I think and, so. And, and maybe Teak. That makes sense. We didn't have Teak, or we did, and they got and they like kind of fizzled. Same out. here. Yeah, dude. Everybody's getting in trouble. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty tough. It's it was like a it was a time to be like like head of something Greek oriented. Cause you're just like, you were constantly putting out fires. Like, uh, like I would get calls from reporters every now and then because something happened or like any, any like socially active thing that happened on campus campus always made its way back to Greek life. Any oh, socially, sure. any socially active thing that happened on campus always made its way back to Greek life. Um, it, I don't know. Like I've been like quotes of mine have been on Buzzfeed and Huffington Post. Really? And yeah, yeah. Like I've been, I like have the contact to somebody in the Philadelphia Inquirer and like had a weekly meeting with our school newspaper. It was just, it it got to the point where like it it was um I was at sometimes at some points I was learning more from that job than my classes itself. Just oh, absolutely. Like, you know, just leadership, just in general. Yeah. So you it's something you can't learn in school. You do think that it was. At the end of the day, because um, I actually ran for president of my fraternity. You told me that. And I lost. I thought, okay, wait, I, I actually, you told me, or from what I remember, you were basically like, like everybody listened to you, but you ended up not running because you didn't want the, the like the actual responsibility. Well, no, no, I lost. And then there was a chance, um, me and another one of my friends uh, were running against a younger kid and then the, the younger kid beat us and then there was a chance for a recount like a, a re-election because what th- what happened was there three of us were running and and then like in the bylaws it was supposed you're supposed to go down to two you're supposed to vote for your your top two and then it was supposed to go down to two or, or whatever and and we didn't do it like that. And then someone like dug in the bylaws and was like, hey, like it's this is actually like not the way to do it. And then there was going to be a new reelection. By that point, I had already signed a lease for uh, to live out. 
And like once I lost and got over the fact that I lost, I was like, it's time to like live up senior year. Yeah, right. Like, like no. why, why would you want to do <laughs> You're that? Like, You're like, okay, like I lost. Oh, bummer. But like now let's go. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, but like there's a re-election. Like there's a chance. And then, and then at that point, like me and my buddy sat down and had a beer and we're just like, nah. Mm-hmm. Just let the young kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nah. I, I mean, that. it just was going to be like too much, but, um. Oh, I already lost my train of thought. Oh, I was going to say is, yeah, like even just from that process and, and, you know, I was close to some of the presidents in the house. Like, I mean, they, the, the skills that they learned were invaluable. Yeah. And it, it just, just dealing with people and people who like just outright didn't like you from the get go. It's, it's just something totally new and different. Um, and like having to deal with them, I think it's going to help in like business for like forever i think yeah. um because you know not everybody's gonna like you did you bring it up in your interviews yes i did what like 100 um, of the time not 100 percent of the time if they asked me um or like if they asked me like what i did in school i'd be like i was president of my fraternity i was president of the ifc um and if they seem kind of interested in it then i'd go into it but you know not not every time yeah you gotta read them <laughs> yeah you, you always gotta read your interviewer but the, uh, i remember that too because i would be like go in there and be like okay is is, <laughs> is this, this something we're gonna? Yeah, that's gonna, gonna vibe with that. Yeah, um, I think it helped me out. It definitely helped me out with the AB interview. Um, oh, I'm sure some of the some of the more like financy investment banks that I interviewed at were just couldn't give two shits. But, yeah, um, it was it was still something to talk about. That's cool, man. Yeah, I'm sure that was a really cool experience. It uh, it was. I, I wouldn't say I would want to do it again anytime soon, but um, yeah, yeah. So, do you think that there's a I mean, uh, there's there's got to be a difference between like fraternity, like what what is the University of Pennsylvania considered in terms of that East Coast? It's or is it it's Ivy League? It's Ivy League. It's Ivy League. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's got to be a difference. How do you think you would have fared in like Ivy League school versus if you went to school in the South? Good question. Because um, you lived the South. I did, I did live the South. I'm originally from the South, and I consider myself a Southerner. Um, yeah. I think if I had stayed back. So I had I had two of my really good friends, two of my closest friends. I was in like a crew of five guys. Okay. Um, and uh, we just did everything together, like sports classes. Just mm-hmm. we were kind of the same person on paper. Um, two of them wanted to be doctors, and they stayed and went to Clemson, um, so they could uh, you know get like a really good GPA and then go to med school. And they still work their asses off. Yeah. So I know, like, if I was if I was in like a like a big school in the South, um, I wouldn't have been allowed to go to like Alabama because my grandmother was a a professor at Auburn. So uh, there, that was just not in the cards for me. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, uh, yeah, like I say, if I'd gone to Clemson, um, which was super close to me, like I still would have worked my butt off. And like mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have joined a fraternity or not, but I know like I'm just that kind of person that's going to try to get involved with as much as possible. That was my problem. Like right away in school was just I was trying to do everything at once and then I realized that I really needed to reel it back to just like a few things that I cared Dude, about. Dude, that is literally the answer to my question for every interview. Like if I ever got the question like what's your biggest weakness? Yeah. That's always what I said. I was like, "Oh, I get way too involved in everything and then I have to like really like prioritize and it's just like what I I just thought it was like a very honest answer, yeah. but like it, it is a weakness. Mm-hmm. But I, at the same time, it, it can be a strength because you're showing like how well rounded you are. Right. I think it's not only well rounded, but I think it shows that you're hungry. 
yeah. which is like something that we see oh, a yeah. lot in the program. But like, you know, if you're trying to do everything, it means that you're really interested in things and you want to be as involved yeah. as possible. Like, like what employer or what, like, like anybody who wouldn't want that, mm. you know, someone that's just, just, uh, active. Speaking of, um, like being hungry, you know, and all the things that we kind of hear, you know, there's like cliches in college as well as cliches in like the corporate world. What are, can you think of any off the top of your head? Cause I think I have like two or three that I hear all the time. Cliches. Yeah. Well, I mean, specifically to AB, hungry and humble. Yeah. You gotta be, oh man, there's a, there's a ton. And if anybody says it, I roll my eyes, but I can't think of anything right now off the top of my head. I, the one that's, give me a sec. The one that's jumping into my mind is, uh. Oh, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Yes, yes, I love. I've that. heard that so many times. Oh my god! I was talking to to one of my buddies. He works at Deloitte, and uh, he said that they have like Deloitteisms, and it's basically like, um, don't try to drain the ocean. Okay. Yeah, apparently that's like really common in that in that. Don't try to drain the ocean. Yeah, I think it's the same kind of thing as like don't drink don't yeah. try to drink out of a fire. Hose. Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, my favorite is like some of the interesting ways to say no without it, without actually saying no is like just playing devil's advocate (laughs) really means you hate that idea. So actually I hate your idea, but, uh, (laughs) there's just so many ways or like, um, uh, or whenever you get an email and say, sorry, so swamped, it means that you're really low on their priority list. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Really low. That's funny. Haven't been able to view your email in two days. Do you, uh, have you started using cheers? Like in in salutation form. Oh no, no! I had no. friends that did that. All, all all of like my my like Euro friends that came over to school for mm. uh, uh, in America, um, they did that all the time, and I was like, I'm never gonna be that. I always just say. Actually, I use salutations a lot, a lot less than I probably should. Just because um, you have a signature on your email or something? I have a signature on my email, or I just think if you just do like dash David or dash David more, I think it just gets your point across. Maybe mm-hmm. a thanks yeah. dash David, but like, I don't know. I think I like to keep emails short and succinct, and so I feel like people don't need to be don't need to have that veil of appropriateness at some point. Uh, One that I always used to use that I I don't use now uh, because I'm pretty low on the totem pole, uh, but I did in college a lot, especially when I didn't care, uh, you know, like what people thought of me is I would always say like, thanks in advance if I was asking (laughs) for something because I'm just like, yeah, I just thought that was kind of like a little bit of a power, like a small it is, it power is a play. Power move. It's like it's also like hanging up before somebody else. Yeah, it's psychologically, like a big deal. That's so funny. Yeah. Do you want to try the spear? Um, Do you want to try the spear? Mm-hmm. I got the shakes that'll make you quake. I got the fries that'll cross your eyes. Mm-hmm. I got the burgers that'll. Here comes the king. Here comes the big number one. Okay, so this beer is another rare one. So we're two weeks in a row uh, with with rare beers. Some quality rare. Yeah, um, it's called Sip of Sunshine. Um, Read my favorite sentence from the description. Sure. Yeah. This lupulin laden India pale ale is packed with juicy tropical fruit character, bright floral aromas, and delectable layers of hop flavor. Those are some great adjectives. Yeah. I love lupulin laden and delectable. I feel like nobody uses delectable enough. This almost reminds me of the uh, the side of a shampoo. 
Yeah. Did you ever read those? Yeah, because like if, if you don't have your phone in the bathroom, what else are you gonna do? Yeah. You think about life uh-huh. you're going with your thoughts. No, you're gonna be not a chance. You're gonna be you're gonna be reading a shampoo bottle. Yeah. So um, I was reading up on this brewery. I, I found this beer. Uh, I was working a craft beer festival in in New York, and this this was the hipster thing you're ever gonna say in your life. Yeah. No, I know it, it was the whole thing was very hipster, and um, it was so fun though. I've never been to a craft beer festival. Have really. You? I went to the LA one. Oh, was it cool? It was cool. It was cool. But it was before I started working here. Okay. It was in the summertime and like there were just a bunch of places that I'd never heard of. Yeah. I probably would know now. Yeah. I wanted to like literally there was 75 breweries there. I just wanted to try every single beer. So it was really fun. But I, I tasted this one, took a picture of it. Um, I was like, th- like immediately like this beer is so good. Like yeah. immediately. And it's 8%. It's an 8% IPA. That'll get you going. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. And then I did. I actually didn't realize how how rare of a beer it was. Uh, we've been in three accounts now where I've seen signs that say only one six pack or like only it comes in a four pack, only one four pack allowed. Really? Yeah, especially in this other one too. I never. I, you should have pointed them out. It's pretty. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, it, this is fifteen dollars a uh, fifteen dollars a four pack. That's four dollars a beer almost. Yeah, it's a it's relatively hard to find. So the brewery is. Okay, it's hard for me to figure out. So I think the company's name is Lawson's Finest Liquids, but it's actually brewed by Two Roads Brewery, which is in Stratford, Connecticut. And it was it was four guys that had like always dreamed of opening a brewery, uh, like four friends, and they call it Two Roads because that's like the philosophy. Um, their their kind of thought is that life. It kind of always is like a fork in the road. Like it always offers two different perspectives, two different ways to go. Um, and their perspective has always been a positive one. Hence why, you know, a lot of the names of their beers, such as Sip of Sunshine, have like a positive note to it. And they, yeah, they, they, it seems like they like to have a good time. Um, says that their road less traveled philosophy is being brought to life in the beers we create and how we create them. Um, yeah, so they're out of Stratford, four dudes, and uh, it seems to be doing well. I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised that this is such a rare beer. Uh, it must be just like maybe a New England thing, but yeah, it's. Yeah, I'm excited they, for you to try it. Maybe they just don't want to turn it into some huge production facility. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it cold. Enjoy fresh. I can definitely smell the lupulin. We might want to pour this in a cup. I kind of... Here, let me go get some. Yeah, there's two right there. All right. Okay, let's pour it. Let's pour these bad boys. Get a nice head on it. Ooh, that's kind of a dark color. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an IPA. I I read like varying things online. I read that it was a double too, but it, it doesn't. I think all, all you really need to know is that it's an ale and it has a lot of hops in it. Yeah. You can really smell it. You're, a lot of esters. You're going to get a really citrusy taste yeah, from it though. Citrus. As soon as you taste it. It, it, I'll tell you what, the first thing I noticed about this beer when I tasted it at that craft beer festival was that it didn't taste like an 8%. That's true. I can taste a little bit of the alcohol there, but it's not too fusily. That's a word, fusily. There's that some is, fusil. It's honestly not as smooth as I remember. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to die it's, down. It's a, little, it's a little bitter. Yeah. I usually, I usually prefer very, like, dry hop focused IPAs like because I don't like bitter stuff like goose IPA yeah um, I mean goose is goose is incredible. 
Goose is pretty incredible. It is. Yeah, no, this we is the Goose Island Brewery here. Yeah, that's like I've told you before. So Goose Island is absolutely my favorite brewery oh, of absolutely. all of any Same. beer. Mm-hmm. Um, the the IPA is, in my opinion, the standard IPA. Uh, like what, like what you should be, because at the end of the day, when you're when you're comparing a beer, when you're comparing a beer, you're going to be like you you have if you don't have anything to go off of then there's no way you can make it like an appropriate comparison so you can't just be like taste taste an ipa and be like oh yeah you you know it's really hoppy how do you even know what really hoppy is like that is that is why in my opinion things are an people say it's an acquired taste an acquired taste is tasting enough of one thing that you have a standardized you have a standardized taste so that you can compare other styles i mean you can it can go in like a variety of different ways like for instance raviolis right you that's not necessarily an acquired taste because there's more flavors that go into it but like you don't know a ravioli is good until you've had another ravioli and so so when we talk about like beer you say oh it's really hoppy well you don't even know what hoppy is and and it might not be really hoppy um so that's why i think that uh Man, I keep losing my train of thought already. It's been a long week, to be honest. What day is it? It's only Wednesday. It's only Wednesday. We've had 12-hour days. Yeah. Tuesday. Um, But yeah, I think this one is really good. Um, I don't think it's really good. I think it's okay. I thought it was so much better. I'm not a big fan of it, man. I got to be honest with you. At first, first I really wanted to believe in you. And I can see how this would be good, but I think they they overdid it with the alcohol. Maybe they need to cut it a little bit. Yeah, I actually... I'm actually getting way more of the alcohol now. Maybe you were drunk when you tried it the first time. I there's a high possibility that I had a, <laughs> I had a solid buzz going. We were trying. Um, that's when we were trying Lolita, trying a lot of sours. Mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, maybe the sour mess. That's what I was saying. That's what I'm thinking, dude. I think sours are such an unexplored area right now that we don't actually like know. Yeah. Like you said, you said I think like m- when I have sours, my stomach gets all messed up. Yeah. Well, it's it's not that I it's not that I can't drink sours. I can appreciate a sour. Oh, uh, you can you can drink. I can, sours. I can drink a sour. But yeah. if I uh, if if I keep putting them down, if I keep putting down those farmhouse ales, if I'm doing the if I'm doing the whole Goose Island sour sister thing, yeah. and, and I get drunk off of it, then I will definitely feel bad in the morning from a stomach perspective. I think it just messes with me somehow. Do you agree? What are some trends in? Even in the beverage industry that you kind of believe in right now. That I believe in? Yeah. So. I want to see a move back to lagers because that's how you tell if a brewery is good or not. <clears throat> when you have a lager and it doesn't have a ton of hops in it, there's nothing to hide behind. It's that's like, a really good point. Standard beer or you have a bad beer because you can tell. And honestly, I think lagers are the easiest to drink. And at the end of the day, who doesn't want just a good, easy to drink beer? It's uh, That's yeah. why I like Bud Light. Honestly, and I'm not trying to be a company man here, but Bud Light is easy to drink and it's everywhere. And, you know, if you're holding a Bud Light or a Budweiser, like, you know, it's no one's going to be like, wow, I hate this. (laughs) Yeah, it's a I don't know. Something about something about it is just so the taste of it. And maybe it's because I've had a bunch of it, but the taste of Bud Light and Budweiser to me is so naturally familiar which is yeah. which is a flavor or a taste profile that I think is very hard to replicate, mm-hmm. um, and, and that could be because of repetition. But I don't drink a lot of Budweiser. I really don't. 
Um, I gotta say, I don't do a lot of Budweiser. Yeah, that's that's just not my beer. But when I taste it, I'm like, this is so good. You know, Every time. Again, it's the acquired taste. It's what you base things off yeah. of. I gotta say, another lager that I really like that isn't owned by Anheuser Busch, so I'm not just a company man, is yeah. the Palmetto Lager. It's made out of Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And they were just bought out by another uh, craft beer company in somewhere in the South. I'm not sure if it was in South Carolina or North Carolina. Um, and they make a good lager. It's in like a nice, uh, like, you know, it's in that like nice um, flint glass. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just really easily sippable, not too hoppy, but uh, not too malty. It's pretty light. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm really a fan of it. And I kind of want to see more more expansion of it outside of the state. Yeah. I, I think the, the thought that a lager is going to be the change, like where people are going to go next, I think what's going to start happening is because the market is so saturated with craft beers. And everybody's e- had an IPA. Yeah, everybody and I'm everybody can make IPAs. an IPA. Everyone yeah. can make an you IPA. Just, if you load 8 million pounds of hops into a beer, it's going to taste like an IPA. Yeah, so the it's going to start coming down to like which breweries can prove themselves. Right. And the the lager so, might be the lager the might test be the the proving ground. I think sours right now are really hot. Yeah, and I think they're cool from a from a just like a scientific standpoint. But I think more people enjoy lagers. And yeah. if you're at the end of the day, it's a business, so you might want to make a few a little bit of a sales out of that. Yeah. Um. So they have good beer down in South Carolina. Is there any other local? Yeah, actually, another one that I really like is called Thomas Creek, and it's out of Greenville, which is where I'm originally from. Uh, they make a really good um, – it's just an ale, um, not too hoppy, uh, and it's really the first ale that I had where I um, where I was like, wow, okay, craft breweries are pretty cool. And I, I felt like such a pride of it being out of Greenville, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they have a really good brewery tour too, and I haven't done it, so I need to go. I need to get the hookup. Yeah. Um, one of the best brewery tours I've ever been on was Sierra Nevada. They made a, um, so they had, they're out of Where's West it? coast, oh, they're out of Chico, California, Chico, California. Okay. Um, but they've expanded so much that in 2015 or six, they started building in 2015 and finished in 16. I think, um, they built a, just like the gold standard of breweries in Asheville, North Carolina, which is about an hour North of me. I've heard Asheville is so cool. It's the Mecca of craft beer and hipster people and, yeah. uh, and the outdoors. And it's unbelievable. It's, it's a climbing it's really area cool. too, right? It's a great climbing area, great mountain biking, uh-huh. great hiking, anything outdoors you want to do great whitewater rafting or kayaking. If you're into that, it, I know it, you like water sports. Yeah. Is the, is the water whitewater rafting there uh damned? No, it's, okay. it's all natural. That's Virginia. I think so. I, I swear Virginia is a season because they open and close a dam. Really? Yeah, which which creates the rapids. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I have not heard about that at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've done my fair share of whitewater kayaking there. But back to the brewery, it is pristine. Uh, everything there is brand new because it was really recently built. And um, they, you could just tell that they went the extra mile on a lot of things. You know, they, they kind of took the Apple approach where, like, even the things that most people wouldn't see, they made them look good. They make sure that they're very clean yeah. even if they don't really need to. Um, like, for instance, they have copper brew kettles, which, like – Nowadays, you don't really need yeah. or it doesn't really do anything. They just used to make them out of copper because 
that's just the most widely available metal that you could do. Um, so, but they thought that it looked better and they just liked it. So they spent it does the extra, better. they spent the extra money just to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's really cool. Uh, this giant, beautiful building and it's also highly sustainable. So a lot of Anheuser Bushes, um, breweries are like 99% recycled materials, mm-hmm. even to the CO2. Yeah. Um, and theirs is the same, if not more. I'm not sure what they told me, but, um, we we got to have a, a pretty neat tour. Um, what I like about Sierra Nevada too is they actually use the full hop flowers. They don't use pellets, um, so we got to go into the hop like storage area, and um, like we tried, we saw all these different hops. You could rub them in, like rub them in your hands and smell it, yeah. and uh, it was it was really informative to a new beer mm-hmm. lover like me. Did you know that uh, Sierra Nevada has an interesting pro? I I I want to say they're unfiltered. Yeah, they are. They're unfiltered. And did you know that people used to be able to extract their yeast? I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they make them make it themselves. Yeah. Because if yeah. you get like all all you need is like microscopic Hops. yeast yeah, yeah. and then you can recreate it and then people were stealing their yeast, mm-hmm. which is just. And that's where most of the flavor comes out. In the yeah. Anyway, so. That's like one of the worst business strategies <laughs> on their part I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. I guess you're right. Um, but a lot of beers are unfiltered. I think a lot of wheat beers that you're going to have are unfiltered. Well, this new New England New England IPA is is an unfiltered hazy IPA that's like huge right now. I haven't heard about it. Yeah, it's it's like all the craze up here. Uh, this is all from the craft beer festival. Uh, they were just like, yeah, this is like the new the new IPA. This is what everybody wants. It's like pretty. It's like a lot earthier. So hot right now. It's so it's on fire, man. <laughs> um, you whitewater rafted in South Carolina. Um, I water rafted. I, I've done some kayaking too. Yeah. In the rapids. Um, nothing too crazy. I don't think, I think I've been down a class four or two. That's as high as it goes legally or commercially. Uh, commercially. Yeah. Or maybe it was a class. It was either a hard class three or an easy class four. Um, but it was just one single rapid and there was like two miles. Of that. Okay. It was just like pretty, pretty easy going. But yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've had a little bit of experience in that. When yeah. we did the float trip, um, that was in, fun in St. Louis, it was a ton of fun, but I felt like I was in control when I was steering in the back of the raft. So. I wasn't in control. You weren't in control. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, I was, I was pretty un- uncontrollable. Yeah. Uh, so, but mountain biking is your, mm-hmm. your main. I'd say, um, mountain biking and then. Uh, backpacking when I can get a chance. Yeah. Um, love mountain biking though, especially for a day trip. Um, my buddies and I, we would just load up the back of my pickup truck with like our bikes. You can like mm-hmm. stack them in a way that they won't. Do you have a nice, you have a nice bike? Actually, no, I have a pretty shitty bike. Really? And, uh, eventually I realized that I probably should invest in a nice bike. Mm-hmm. But what's, what's, what's not too great about it is that it doesn't have disc brakes. Um, it has the normal brakes that like they clamp around the tire and it just uses friction to like slow yeah. it down. The problem is that if your tire gets wet, they stop working. So one time it started raining and my tires got wet and my brakes were not very functional. What's a, what's a disc brake? So a disc brake is a, like a metal ring around the, the, um, the axle of the tire. And you have like an actual, like, it's like, it looks like a, like a brake on a car. It has like a little clamp and, uh-huh. the, and then it has a, um, a wire that goes up to your handbrake and, um, it'll like clamp around that. And the thing there is that it's covered. So it doesn't really get affected by rain and, um, it's away from the bottom. So you're not going to get any like dirt or anything in there. So it's going to be like a lot smoother of a stop. And it's kind of become the standard for mountain bikes really? now just because it's safer. What, what are some other aspects of 
of a mountain bike that are important, like in a good bike? Yeah. Um, well, there's two schools of thought on it. So the first, the first you're going to need are, are, are good front shocks because, you know, you're just going to be hitting a lot of roots yeah. and rocks and things like that. And you want to be able to be able to hold on mm-hmm. to your, um, to your handlebars. But there's, uh, there's two kinds of bikes that like pro mountain bikers use both times. So there's, um, a hard tail and a soft tail. Sorry, okay. I had to get the words right. So a hard tail doesn't have a rear shock and a hard and a soft tail does have a rear shock. Okay. And that um that makes going off of jumps or going downhill a lot um like a lot easier to sustain just because like it, it basically for which one? Um, the soft tail. Soft tail. So um if you so you have your seat and it's kinda hard to explain if you don't have a photo of a bike, but yeah. basically um there's the the um there's two different metal bars that go to the rear tire. Okay. So there's the one like that's horizontal that is connected to your pedals, and yeah. there's one that's kind of diagonal. In a soft tail, the diagonal one has a big spring on it that's adjustable. Um okay. it has like adjustable uh uh, uh oh, like toughness to the spring the tension tension basically um where uh you can like adjust it based on your on your weight and it'll have a lot more give okay if it if it, if it has a lot of pressure on it um but then hardtails don't have that but in return they're better if you're going up and down because like when you like go up and down in your seat or you're putting a lot of force on the pedals there's there's not as much give so you have a lot more control on like how much force you put on the pedals hmm um, also hardtails are usually cheaper. Okay. Um, so, you know, if, if you're on a budget they're they're kind of nice to mm-hmm. have. So, um, really what I need right now, I just have a bike. It's a really kind of basic hardtail with, um, just normal brakes. Yeah. And I was, I, I, it's probably a good idea if I invest in like a disc brake bike, but you know, right now I, I can't bring it around with me. So there's no mm-hmm. reason to purchase it. What are, uh, where are some of the cooler places that you've biked my favorite place in the world is dupont national or dupont state forest yeah it's in north carolina right over the border kind of halfway between greenville and Asheville, and um it has one of the best um managed trail systems in the united states really um and it has this one trail that's basically a roller coaster it's about two and a half miles just downhill the entire time and it's, it has like it has like banked turns on a oh lot of times dude and like, i watched so many red bull videos yeah of that you so know cool. you know exactly what it's like and you can you can go so fast around these things mm. you're basically sideways and there's there's a few little logs that you can go up and then jump off if you're really if you really know what you're doing and there's some places that you can get a get a good bit of air yeah off of it that's my favorite run in the world but the problem is that to go back up it's just uh, an ungodly climb up like rocks and like a ton of roots so it's actually nice if you can have like a shuttle where like yeah. you have somebody driving and they'll just like drive you back up is that is that a common thing it's a common thing for like people who are trying to do videos yeah. or just pros who can pay somebody to do that but like no one wants to be the guy driving the shuttle yeah like, of course not. so if you're getting your buddy and you maybe you could like play rock paper scissors or something there's another really good one so the national white water center is where they train for the olympics for like whitewater kayaking and stuff okay and that's in charlotte north carolina and they have some really good trails around there too um a little more technical not as like fast it's more about like navigating around routes and really tight turns and things like that so it's a little bit different kind of riding but it's still a lot of fun so when you're talking about going back up the hill 
Are you riding back up the hill? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. the shitty part of that it. That is bike. literally the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> but right. uh, it's still, you know, it teaches you how to, like, manage gears. Because if you put it into a really, really low gear, you can still make it up the hill. Yeah. If you have good quad muscles. Yeah. Um, just takes a lot of, not even training, just practice and patience yeah. with yourself. Yeah. When I was uh, about to move to Phoenix... I was about to go like full force into mountain biking. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I had like dabbled, very small, but uh, dude, Phoenix has good biking. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some amazing trails out there. I believe it. Um, and they're like interesting trails because it's a lot of like like red dirt trails and stuff like that. And dude, yeah, that was going to be like pretty much the first thing I did was I was going to get a bike and, and just like go really head head in yeah. on that like new hobby. Um, but yeah, I hope to get into it one day. I have a really good friend uh, who lives in Minnesota who bikes a lot and is like, that's like his favorite thing to do besides snow skiing is mountain biking. And he's, he's pretty good. So it's a, it's a really cool hobby. It is. It's uh it's also kind of tough on the body sometimes. Yeah. I have a few scars on myself from falls. The, the thing for me is like, Hiking is fun, but after you've mountain biked, I don't think hiking is nearly as fun anymore. <laughs> I understand. You're just like, I could be going so much faster and potentially just like launching in the air. But here I'm just walking. But now I'm just I, walking. I at totally a get what you mean. Slow pace. For me, hiking and backpacking, it's a totally different kind of experience and enjoyment. Um, I just love being outside. It's something spiritual for me almost where... And I'm not really a spiritual guy, so um, uh, uh, it's like just being outside and just kind of fending for yourself. There's something that I really enjoy about it. Like if I have to make a fire out of like wet wood and uh, like like wet tinder and kindling, like it's uh, it's a challenge. But like the fact that I can overcome it, or, or you've had survive, to, you've made a fire out of wet wood. Yeah, yeah. What did you have it was to actually? How was, do you it do? Was that? Pretty, it was pretty tough. Um, so so doing, you've done multiple overnight trips. Yeah, that's I've, I actually probably would say that I have more experience doing that than mountain biking. Okay. Um, but I, like you said, I kind of enjoy mountain biking yeah. more. It's a little more fun. Um, so I was hiking uh, in West Virginia with the University of Pennsylvania Outdoors Club. Actually, cool. Those clubs are cool. We, they are. Cool. I, I didn't join one, but I, I, they were around at Purdue, and they do some cool stuff. I always saw them. I used to lifeguard at at our pool and they would bring the kayaks in and like practice oh, yeah. in the in the deep end of the pool. It's pretty funny. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we were we were out there um, and it was our last night and we didn't really do enough research on the trail. And it turns out that basically the entire trail that we took was a swamp the whole time. Mm. Like you it was wet and there was just no drainage anywhere. And we had to find a place to camp and there was no place to camp that wasn't like wet. We eventually found like some decently dry grassland, like a few hundred feet off of the trail. Um, So we we put up a tent there, but you can't eat or build a fire near your tents. So we had to find another place. Why? Um, bears. Yeah. One thing. Um, also, can't you just like hang your food in the trees or something like that? Yeah. But if you have like you, you're in it and you're invariably going to spill something or, um, leave some sort of residual smell and that just attracts them. Um, it's been known to attract them at least. And you just want to be as bear safe as possible. Are bears attracted to beer? I don't know. I think I think they'd like one if they had a if they had a nice cool crisp 
lager, maybe, they would be really into it. They wouldn't be attracted to Miller Lite, though. I don't think they would be attracted to Miller Lite. That's what, usually that's what I do when I camp. Is you bring Miller Lite. I bring a, and, and I bring a case stuff. of Miller Lite, and around the campsite, I just dump it all around I the would, campsite. I just bathe. Yeah. yeah it would be nice. Um, maybe and, they'd lick it off. Yeah, they never, uh, they never bother me when I do that. So, um, <laughs> Miller Lite, bear repellent. Exactly. So you, okay, it's all wet. Yeah, it's all wet so and you're it's, crying uh, like it's a baby. Like, yeah, I was, I was, I was crying uncontrollably. Yeah, and uh, uh, I tried to find. So you were. It was. It wasn't like it was soaked, but you could tell that it had rained really recently. Yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah, and uh, so I found some some branches, um, and you know those those dry out pretty quickly. So if you have decently small branches, you can use those. And then the trick to getting good fire starter is looking for. You like that? What a sound. <laughs> you like that? I'm a little, I have a, like a half chop. Yeah. Ooh. I'm going to do that too now. Oh, oh. you're sounding like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the, the trick to finding like good fire starter is looking for um, uh, evergreen trees because it's basically a rain filter. If you go under like a pine tree all those pine needles are going to be dry and you're going to find ah. some small twigs that fell from underneath. Um, anything like that, it's going to be like a natural rain filter. That's like a David Moore tip right there. Like there you, you should, you could like, I, I should write a book. You should, man. I should write a book. That's actually something that, that, uh, that the girl next door, TK, would, oh, yeah. uh, would definitely know about. She would endorse that. She would endorse that. Yeah, but, man. Um, Make sure to put my tip in there about the mirror light too. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably, I'll give you, I'll dedicate the book to you. Okay. <laughs> Cold one with Kyle. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I I, uh, I took some of those branches out and we were able to start a little small fire. And then once it heats up, it kind of evaporates yeah. a lot of the water in the branches and you can have a pretty decent fire from that. So I was I was thanked. I felt I felt valued that night. So there you it was go. nice to feel valued. <laughs> Do you, um, do you ever watch any of those like Bear Grylls shows? I love those Bear Grylls really? shows. Really? Oh my god, I love them so much, and I, I I love them so much that I was allowed to have an opinion on them. So I thought Survivor Man was full of shit, even though he was the only real one out there. But uh, Bear Grylls was just better produced and edited and everything. Oh, so you you're more into like the cinematography yeah, of the show? So, well, he had freaking Obama on the show. Yeah, he had a- Alaska. I think he had a the one that I watched was the one with Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> we brought Marshawn yeah. Lynch on. That's so funny. What about the? Uh, there's some uh, naked, naked and afraid. Naked and afraid. You seen that one? I have not seen that one actually. Um, I never watched it either. It looks like a just too much of a gimmick. For me. Oh yeah. I feel like there's just too there's gonna be too much blurriness in it. They're just. I mean the whole show. It. Yeah, like like that just bothers me. So this this is actually really funny. I was I was on a plane. Um, going somewhere, I don't remember, but it was the kind of plane that had like the group movie that you had to watch. They didn't have individual uh, screens. The worst, dude. Uh, we're living in the 21st century that we can say. Dude, that's that the worst. is a that's a like a. It's like holding you hostage. No, but that's like one of those things that like I'm gonna tell my kids be like, yeah, back in the day, guys. Or, or <laughs> back or, in the day, dude. I even remember back in the back in the back in the day, dude, when I had to plug my headphones into the. The armrest, yeah, the armrest, and listen to the pre-played like radio, radio stations. Yeah, yeah, those were rough days. Those were rough days. So this was that kind of plane. Yeah. 
Um, and they were showing this one show. I think it's called Keeping Up with the Joneses. It had John Hamm yeah, and somebody. Yeah, it's a gun. They shoot a lot of guns. Yeah, shoot a lot of guns. But it's basically like there was this one uh, couple, and you know they were your average American couple, and had like Ron Swanson. Oh, dude, somebody. I've seen this. I've seen this movie. Okay, so you know how later on in the in the movie they have um they're like doing the makeover of the other couple, not the spy couple, but like the Ron Swanson couple. I think so. And they basically put his wife in this beautiful red dress. Um, it's like very elegant. They're going to this like nice dinner party and okay. they want them to fit in. And, and they're teaching them how to double spy or something like that? Something like Yeah, yeah. They're okay. teaching them to be like double agents basically. And, um, you know, there's this like big expectation of this huge reveal. Um, and uh, then so the wife comes out and you see her like hair done and then it like pans to her shoes and it starts like going up and you see like the red dress yeah and then all of a sudden it gets to like her face and her chest and her breasts are blurred out really and, and they're in a dress and it's in a dress it's just like there was too much cleavage for some lawyer to like be like this is too much for the for these poor plane it had passengers. to be it was spirit so, airlines dude spirit airlines would be the ones to blur that out american airlines actually no but uh i know i know you you, you wanted to be spirit it probably could be spirit too but the best <laughs> spirit part couldn't is, afford a tv what, 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 what the what the worst part about this is that like she was in this dress for like a third of the movie so a third of the movie anytime that you saw this woman like her just her chest was blurred out Oh, wow. And it was the most distracting thing you've ever done. And like at one point she starts running and the blurry like, oh, up and down. It's so funny. Like I would suggest, I don't know if there's like an edit online of doing it, but it makes the movie like 10 times better. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know how we got on this topic, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, have you seen when people wear the costumes and it's like the pixels? So it looks like they're yeah, naked, the pic- but they're all blurred out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a funny costume. Those are, those are pretty Did you see costumes. any good Halloween costumes? Oh, um, did you do anything for Halloween? No, so we were supposed to go to Las Vegas. Oh, that's right, with all the, with all the crew. But we ended up not doing that. Um, we actually uh, we were working an event that Saturday mm. night, so uh, we had our faces painted for Dia de los Muertos. Oh yes, yes, but, uh, that was pretty cool. But then we had a company, like our our distributor had a um, Halloween bar crawl on Sunday and everybody dressed up. Um, I dressed up as like Matthew McConaughey from. Um, uh, uh, the his like first debut movie, and I'm forgetting the name. Right Dazed and Confused. Dazed and Confused. I was I was him for Dazed and Confused, well, but like with ooh. a few differences. But I had the mustache. That was the main thing. So you're basically the mus- just um the mustache, just and, mustache like, and, and like and like the back hair. and the slick back hair, and like I could kind of pull it off because I feel like to some extent I, I kind of look like it. I'm gonna be honest with you. The fact that you you're saying that you kind of pulled it off makes me think that you probably didn't pull I it off that well. Off. How many times did people ask you what you were? Um, a few times, but then one time I got the guy coming up and he's like, Hey, I know you're trying to pull off Matthew McConaughey right now, but you look like this guy. And it was oh. some sprinter from the seventies. And like, I'd never, I'd never met the well, guy. Well, that's before, cool. Then. Like, yeah, I was, I was like, okay, so at least something. Yeah. That makes it here. worth it. But there were some cool costumes that day. I had, um, <clears throat> there was the, the, um, the lead singer from, um, God, why, why are words so hard for me right now? It's the 8%. It's the eight percent. That's true. Uh, 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 Motorhead. So the lead singer from Motorhead. Uh, Radiohead. Radiohead. No, Motorhead. I don't. Know. I've never, never even heard of Motorhead. Motorhead. Okay. Well, it's like a it's like a late eighties, early nineties um, like rock band. What's the guy from Cars? Um, Lightning McQueen. No, the other one. 
Um, oh, oh, Mater. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, not Mater. There was this one guy who, who dressed up as the lead singer, and we saw a photo of the lead singer online in the same costume, and it looked exactly like him. Mm. It was unbelievable. And then there was also this one girl. She was the Bud Queen, and she had like a like a staff of taped together Budweisers. Oh, and she yeah. Had a big cape and a Budweiser crown. That's cool. cool. What about you? Any cool... Any cool costumes in New York City? New York City. Um, I had a friend. You know who Banksy is? Yeah. Yeah, he wanted to be. He never. He didn't do it. Um, but he wanted to be Banksy, so. So he, he dressed up as like. So nobody. He, he was gonna wear like all black, <laughs> and then on his shirt he was just gonna tape like art. And then just hold like a spray paint can with him and wear like sunglasses. That's edgy. It's, like, it's very edgy. It's very, very, very edgy. New York trendy. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, Nolan's girlfriend was Bud Lightyear. Oh, I remember seeing that. Yeah, that was, that was so a good funny. one. Yeah. That was a good one. And then Nolan was Natty Daddy. Natty Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a cop out. But it's it works because his girlfriend was 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 uh, going for it. Yeah. Dude, I was going to be... I was gonna be a fork in the road, so I was gonna I was gonna you wear a black shirt and put like uh, yellow stripes up my shirt and then just like tape a fork in the middle of my shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't have enough time to put it together. <laughs> <laughs> I think you you approach Halloween costumes like me, where you just think of it the day of. Yeah, and try to you try to figure. It speaking out. of last year, I came off a noodle shift, and then I was just like, I don't have a costume, so I just wore my uniform to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> that like works. Though. It does. I was yeah. just a noodles employee. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah. uh, my friend has a McDonald's hat. I don't know how he got it, but it just it's black. It's a black hat with golden arches on it, mm-hmm. and that's it. And he was a McDonald's employee, and it was fantastic. like every year. Yeah, he just does that. I yeah. don't know how he got the McDonald's hat because he's never worked there. What are some of the topics that we're using? Um, well, we do. We've been hitting them left and right. You just don't even know it because oh. that's how good I am. Wow, you are good at just that. Just nailing them. All right. Um, no, but what I was going to say is um, I know one of the similarities that we have is that we've both traveled quite a bit. I, I'd like to think so, but I, I think uh, I'm pretty one-dimensional in my travels. I've only what traveled to Spanish-speaking countries. Dude, those are the best countries. <laughs> yeah, right? They really are. Like I've, Spanish-speaking countries have been the best countries that I've ever gone to. Really? The, that their, their culture is incredible. Have you gone south, to South America or only in Europe? Um, I've been to Mexico and I've been to the Dominican Republic. Obviously, been to Spain. But no, I've never gone south of Mexico, okay. actually. But... Uh, you know, some places in the Caribbean, too. I've been scuba diving in the Turks and Caicos. Love scuba diving, by the way. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, I've never been scuba diving. I, I want to get... You're I, such a you're such an ocean guy. That's surprising. I know. I want I want to get certified. Uh, I, I would really enjoy doing that. But, um, I'll dive with you. Yeah. It's... I have a friend... Have you seen videos of people night diving? Um, sort of. It's like a... It's like a thing now. It's called... It's, I've seen a video of people doing it. It's like a like a they call it a underwater rave, mm-hmm. and they bring like uh, really powerful like laser neons with them, or it's like a flashlight that will turn into like a laser neon, and they'll go out into like a, a really cool dive spot, and they'll all go down and like all at once they all turn on these laser neons, and like it just lights up the ocean in like so many different colors, and the beams go like way out until you can't see them anymore, but. My thing is, uh, I'm deathly afraid of water in the dark. I believe that. It's that's crazy, dude. That is so scary. Yeah. Like, 
I've gone out on my lake in in the dark, and when you cannot see below that water, it is one of the most intimidating things of all time. And being in the water, like if you're in water and you can't see your own legs because you're in the water, dude, that's terrifying. (laughs) That's like that's actually terrifying. (laughs) So I I don't share your your fear of dark water, and it's objectively a, a bad idea. Like it like objectively speaking, like I should be terrified like i've i've gone night swimming in the ocean not in the ocean but like back base where it's really dangerous when it comes to alligators snakes and small sharks yeah and like i was like totally fine i didn't think about it you didn't even think about it i didn't think about like i we we did this thing um so we would go to the beach a lot of i spent a lot of time in charleston and um we would go to the beach a ton and uh like we would bridge jump off into like these little inlets yeah and like that's when number one sharks come to feed Two, the inlets are where like all of the alligators are and uh you know if there's any kind of snakes that's where they're going to be too and so you knew this just, like while you guys were doing it or? i knew it but i didn't think about it and like i i should have i guess but we jump in and then we swim to the dock and get out and it was totally fine like who knows what was under there it was it was terrifying and like i've gone like well dude skinny dipping in the lake's pretty fun yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> That yeah, I don't know, man. That uh, the water thing gets in my head quite so, a bit. Um, another night, a night diving thing actually. So there's this one lake near my house, and it actually used to be a, a town. And the Tennessee Valley Authority flooded it back in the day. Okay. Um, you know those classic early 1900s, like um, uh, deliverance that that kind of era. And um, so it used to be a town, and it's still there underneath all the water. Just nobody lives there anymore. And uh, during Halloween, the dive shop that's close to my house, they'll actually do a Halloween dive to tour the town underneath the water. Whoa. In, at night. They'll have, like, flashlights and stuff. Dude, that's have, like, sick. It's it's crazy. Like, I would be so terrified. You have to have, like, a technical diver's license to do oh, it. Oh, really? But, like, you have, to be, you have to be, like, really not afraid of the dark water or just the dark in general if you're touring an abandoned ghost town underwater. Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I heard a story. Uh, one of my one of my friends... His uncle was was a pretty big diver, and uh, have you ever dove through a shipwreck? Yes. Have you ever gone like in? Mm-hmm. It was so, an old oil tanker. Okay, yeah. So he he went in, and I don't know a lot about this, so jump in, you know. But he was like, I was wearing flippers, and maybe you're supposed to take your flippers off or something, or you're not supposed to kick as hard because it was a sand bottom. Mm-hmm. And so he went in, and he went into like a specific, uh, I guess like a room or like an offshoot. Um, so it was all closed in with only one exit. And it was like when he went in, it was dark. When he went in, he kicked up all the sand and he could not see anything. And he he was like, it was so scary. I I couldn't find the exit. I had to like feel on the ground and like go over to the side. And he's like, I was so nervous that I was going to run into some sort of a sharp uh, point or something and puncture the air tank. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's that's what happened to me. I was diving with a buddy, and um, we dove into this oil tanker. We went underneath. Um, thankfully, it wasn't as enclosed as what your uncle yeah. was talking about. But uh, he went down, and I was following him. He was just exploring, and you have flippers on. You're not really supposed to take them off, um, but you are going to kick up the sand underneath. Yeah. And like he started kicking it up, and I was like, "Holy crap! Like I can't really see in front of me anymore, and this is kind of ruining the dive. <laughs> yeah, you can't see. Like, yeah. What's so, the um, I mean, what your uncle should have done was just kind of laid totally still and yeah. let, let the sand 
like settle and then you can kind of see how yeah there because that's basically what i had to do i was like okay i'm just gonna not move and then like wait for the sand to go it's it's pretty freaky especially when you like there's only one way out like up yeah the top um the same shipwreck dive i remember i was going along the balcony around the bow of this big ship and um you couldn't see around the corner and then when i was going i was in front of the i was like the lead in the crew and i went around the corner and all of a sudden i see a giant grouper and i'm by giant i mean literally giant it probably would have weighed 70 pounds being conservative give uh, give me like a length though uh about the size of this table wow yeah so uh, that's like probably it was probably like four 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 five feet long and uh it was probably like I mean, you know how fish are really thin. It was probably like a foot and a half wide. Yeah. And it was, it, it got freaked out at first. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like I'm about as large as this person. Yeah. So I'm not going to worry about it. Did you just spirit it or something? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a vegan. I'm not really a vegan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was just, I was surprised too. Cause I'm like, what the fuck? What yeah. is this? What is this fish in front of me? Um, so that was really cool. That was definitely the biggest fish outside of a shark that I've ever seen. Dang. Dude, people are scared of sharks when they're, uh, when they're diving, but what you really need to be worried about are barracuda because they'll circle you and they'll like start clicking at you and you can hear them. It's the most terrifying thing you've ever seen. I mean, dude, I'm scared of sharks in an aquarium. (laughs) Like seriously, dude, I I, like kind of avoid the shark area. Like I'll like walk through it and be like, oh, this is whatever. It's just like, dude, sharks in surfing are like the, yeah, they're like a surfer's nightmare. Well, it's because if you look at a surf board with a person on top of it from underneath. Looks like a seal. It looks exactly like a seal. Yeah. And, like, I'd, I'd eat that if I was a shark. Like Exactly. Yeah. And, and you don't blame the shark. This uh, So what they used to do in Hawaii is every time there was a shark attack in Hawaii, they used to just be like – they would like sound an alarm or like some sort of a notification. Uh, you'd maybe back in the day, you'd get probably like a little push notification on your phone, uh, on your iPhone (laughs) shark attack. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, so they would, and, and all of the surfers and like all the fishers would go out and literally it'd just be a free for all, kill as many sharks as you can. Really? And then come back in. No way. Yes. That's what they would do. I love that. Come back in. And that's like how they did like population control on the sharks. And like, obviously there's still, there's still sharks out there every now and then, but now obviously you can't do that stuff and so like the sharks are overpopulating man really did you see did you happen to see the video of off the coast off the west coast of the coast of california of these two paddle boarders in the water there oh my gosh this was oh. insane there's these two paddle boarders in the water and it's it's a video from like a helicopter and the helicopter is just like <laughs> uh you know Please be, please be aware. Uh, you are being circled by um, like a, a seven, massive. seven to eight great white sharks. Uh, we don't want you to freak out, but we'd, we'd like you to calmly exit the water. And you can see the sharks, dude. There's like eight of them, just like roaming around in the water. There and they are massive. Jesus Seriously, Christ. those sharks are insanely big. And yeah, I was just like, that's terrifying. That is, I. Dude, I would, I would piss myself immediately. <laughs> I would proudly piss myself. Yeah. I'd tell people about it. <laughs> Dude, yeah, such a weird video. But um, anyways, I wanted to. So speaking of large animals, going into my travels. Yeah. Do, well, I really want to know about your your Spain trip. Okay. So, uh, so I went to Spain the summer after my freshman year. And uh, I just wanted to do something cool and memorable because I knew that like an internship or anything like that, it's not going to be meaningful. No one's mm-hmm. really going to care what you learned as a 
like a coffee getter. Um, True. Are we getting do you, need, beers? do you need another beer? I'm going to finish this guy off, and then yeah. why don't we share that last one for okay. now? That's fine. Um, so, I, uh, I texted my next-door neighbor, actually, because I'm super close to him. And uh, we... I was like, hey, do you want to go to Spain? <laughs> and he was like... This was after freshman year. This was after freshman year, but he's a year, year younger than me, so it was after his senior year of high school. Okay. And he was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had heard about this thing. I, I've, I, I was really coming into myself as someone who really liked the outdoors. So I was like, why don't I do something outdoorsy but in a foreign country? Mm-hmm. And I heard about this thing called the Camino de Santiago. And it was originally a religious pilgrimage. So people would like basically walk from their homes in Spain or France to this place called Santiago de Compostela, which is a city about halfway between the northern coast of Portugal, sorry, the northern border of Portugal and Spain, and then the northern coast of Spain. And uh, it's allegedly where um, the bones of St. James are buried. Who is St. James? He was one of Jesus' apostles. Oh, okay. And uh, he uh, he lived, I don't know, like a decade later than, than uh, Jesus, maybe two decades later. And, and he made some sort of pilgrimage all the way from Israel to Spain. That's a long way. Yeah, it is, it is a very long way. And uh, and he's buried there now. Okay. Um, I didn't get to see his bones, but apparently they're underneath the, the this huge chapel that they have there. Did you walk on them? Um, did I walk on the bones? Like on top of them, like where ab- above them? Probably, but you don't get really, you don't really see them. Like it's just kind of like a giant, it's a normal church. It's yeah. A cathedral. Um, but, but pe- in the catacombs. Dude, people, people, people get a rise out of just like being on top of things though. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think pe- some people did. So, you know, people did it for different reasons. Some people did it for really religious reasons. Yeah. Um, I just did it cause I wanted to see some really cool things and meet some really cool people. Um, so I went out with my buddy and uh, we were planning this whole thing and we basically budgeted a month from July 5th to August 5th. Okay. So we're like, okay, so here's when we're going to fly in. Here's when we're going to fly out. Let's fill this time in between. Like yeah. how can we hike this with getting enough, leaving enough time for us to actually hike it. Mm-hmm. And then like if we needed to like take a day or two of rest or something like that, it'd be okay and not have to worry about making our flight or anything like that. Okay. So we started from about, so basically this trail goes along the coast of Northern Spain. Um, and I didn't do, so there's the mainstream tail trail. It's called the French way. And it goes from Paris all the way to there. We did the Northern way. So it starts, it starts at the border. So you didn't want to do the mainstream. Yeah. We did like the hipster way. Yeah. But so, but actually though, the reason that I chose it is because (laughs) it follows the coast and you see a lot more of the ocean than if you did the French way. Why would anybody do the French way? I don't know. I think it's just because it's the most historic. Oh, okay. Uh, But you didn't care. Yeah, so I, I wasn't really a I, I wasn't really a big fan of that. So this one you had a lot more ocean views. It was a lot more mountainous. It's yeah. harder, um, but I I didn't want to be like bombarded by like all the tourism that that goes with that too. It's yeah, it's dude, more. they just get in the way. Yeah, so uh, we started about two thirds the way there. So it's close to Bilbao, which is a um, a city on the coast, and it has. So there's the Guggenheim Museum of Art in New York, and then there's one other Guggenheim in the world, and it's this tiny town in Spain. Can you say the name of the art museum again? The Guggenheim Art Museum. The Guggenheim. The Guggenheim. And it's a pretty famous one in New York, Um, and this one was really, really interesting. I lived in New York. I've never heard of it. 
Oh, well, there you go. I'll have to take you when we're in New York. Yeah. Uh, so we started really close to there. And, well, we just decided that we were going to start close to there and then hike all the way there. And we figured it would take 28 days and then leave us like a day or two to get back to Madrid so we could fly out. Mm-hmm. And then I called my friend Joe when I realized that the day of the Pamplona running of the bulls festival started the day that we got in dude and i was like joe joe hear me out (laughs) hear me out buddy yeah i'm sure this wasn't much of a sell if you're going to be asking him to hang if you're going to ask if you guys want to stay like who would not want to stay for this thing who wouldn't want to go so we're like we we got to plan this Mm -hmm. but we can't tell our moms Don't tell the moms. Do not tell the moms because they were not going to let us do that. Yeah. And so basically we booked our train to Pamplona and it was like on the way to where we were going. Like Mm -hmm. literally it was like a stop on the train station anyway. So we booked our train there and we booked our train to the next spot. And once we were – and we booked our hotel and everything. And once we were 100% like locked in for going to Pamplona, then we told our parents like – Nice. By the way, we're going to go running with the bulls. Still wouldn't have told them until you showed them pictures. Yeah. That was my philosophy is if I'm ever going to do anything sketchy – it's always better uh, to ask the for pick. forgiveness. Exactly. Ask for permission. That's my – I've done a lot of that back yeah. in the day. Uh, but anyway, I didn't want to go to a foreign country and then not know where they where I am. And stuff okay. Like that. So I was I was a cautious okay. 19-year-old. Anyway, um, we go there. Uh, we get in basically at night, go to sleep. You have to wake up at like 6 a.m. to go run at the polls because it starts at daybreak. So we go and um, there's like – so many people there. So you're gonna run with the bulls. We ran with the bulls. Oh, this. Yeah, dude, you should. You ruined the story already. You should have been like, no, oh, maybe we weren't gonna do it. Oh, uh, you, you're right. This is. You, so you did it. We we did it. This is the lead up to you running with the bulls. So yeah. So actually, interestingly enough, I um we were uh, we wake up the next morning at like six a.m. Get ready. You're supposed to wear like a white shirt and white pants and stuff. But yeah. We didn't have all that, so we had like a red bandana and a white shirt, and that was it. <laughs> And um, Can, do you have to like sign up no. like the New York City Marathon you have to qualify or something? No. And in fact, there's like a lot of rules around it, but like they're not enforced. It's really interesting. So like women technically aren't allowed to run. So women will like wrap up their head and yeah. like hair in a hat or something if Good they really want to do it. If you're not allowed power. to be drunk. It says that. Um, but why would you ever run with them sober? <laughs> well, no, I think everybody was sober because they didn't want to die. But like, dude, I there, would there run nobody way with, fast. Like, a, <laughs> there was nobody with a breathalyzer or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I would be running so much faster if I was drunk. Really? Uh, dude, what? <laughs> like, you, you think, I mean, like, yeah, like, if I'm sober, like, I'm going to run fast if a bull is chasing me, but if I'm drunk and a bull is chasing me, like, <laughs> there's there's two there's two options there. You're either running way faster than you would sober, or you're turning around and trying to mount the bull. <laughs> well, uh, we did it sober, fortunately. Basically, there's there's two really great ways to to hop in on the on the bull festival. It's either the very beginning when they first release the bulls, or towards the very end, and then you can because they're running a lot faster than humans can normally run, unless you use Usain Bolt. And then you can also hop in towards the end and then run with the bulls into the arena. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then they actually let people like into the arena where they're going to fight the bulls later and they divert the bulls away. And what they do is they put um, like rubber balls on the end of the horns and like 
guys will just like mess with them. Like they'll they'll be in the arena and they'll like try to get the bulls to come over there and then the bull will charge and they either get out of the way or they get hit. And but like it's bull, like rubber so they don't care. Yeah, it's like rubber so you're not going to get gored. You, it's going to hurt. You could get trampled. You could get trampled. It's going to hurt a lot. But like it's it's Spain, man. They're like, we don't care. Like you're not going to see Bro, us. Bro, that's so – that's was, honestly like so badass. It's that, really badass and I wish that I had done that. But I started at the beginning. Okay. So the beginning was where like the biggest mass of people was. Yeah, sure. And um, so how it starts is like you're there's a line where you're supposed to start. Okay. And um, it probably goes for about a hundred meters, and then there's like a right a left kink, and it's like a it's like a building, and like so it's like a it's probably like a forty five degree turn. Okay. And um, so we were going, and we're we're there, and like we're around a bunch of people, and like a lot of people. These were like old guys that like knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah. They were probably like sixty year olds, and they had done this every year yeah. for their whole life. Um, and so sick. Dude. It was so cool. Like it was just the manliest thing you could think. Of. <laughs> and they're they're all just like sitting there, like it's nothing. Like they're about to like run. Let's go release the bulls. Come on. So um, when they release the bulls, it's like the the giant bell tower in the in the town. Um, they just chime it three times, and then on the third chime, that's when they release the gate, and you hear the bulls coming. You hear the cheering of the people watching the bulls. Oh, so they release them. Back, yeah, so they get a running start before, and then, then like, the the only the thing is, there's such a big crowd that the only way that you know that the bulls are coming is you see the crowd coming towards you. And, um, that's uh, the girls, hold up, what's up, guys? It's RPU. Oh, RPU, it had been okay. Are you recording still? Yeah, it's been recording the whole time. So, we're joined right now by our co workers, Rachel and Tressa. Are you running the show? I didn't no, I'm not running the show. Hey, not, Kyle, it is a cold one with Kyle. Kyle, yeah, why don't you why don't I you take why don't, don't you take remember it, off? it being called cold one with David? It's <laughs> got a point. Uh, we have a couple guests. Uh, our good friends, no, our colleagues. Our colleagues. Uh, TK, TK, and Rachel. Anyways, um, yeah. So the three chimes happen and the bulls get released. The bulls get released and they get a running start. They do get a running start. It's probably like 50 meters, and the, you can't see the bulls at all. They're coming around a corner, but then you realize you're supposed to start running when you see everybody else in front of you running. Yeah, that's usually a good indication. Behind you, yeah. It's a good indication. And, uh, you know, nobody's running fast enough to really keep up with the bulls, so usually there's this big um, – it's like a big mob of people, and then you see the bulls, and then it, it just kind of like splits – and people go to the side. So yeah, the did you like look there. behind you and see them? I was looking behind me and that's the problem. Okay, so I was I like I was a pretty decently fast runner. I was I was pretty Yeah, cuz you did cross, cross country. country. Yeah, yeah. State. Um uh so I was like really rearing to like go run as much as I could. But um the problem is that I was behind this one guy. So I was in the front of my crew except for this one guy in front of me. And this guy was really nervous about the bulls. He was he kept looking behind him. He was like, "Where's the bulls? Like, let me let me see." So as the bulls were starting to to come, and like you could, I could see the bulls now um, behind me. They were probably like twenty meters behind me, and I was like, "Oh, finally, okay." So we're we're coming up on this the kink that I was talking to you about, mm-hmm. like the forty five degree turn, and um, so we're coming along, and I'm like, "Okay, bulls are behind me. Like we got to get around the kink, but stay close to it so that the bulls don't like run into me because they have nowhere else to go." And um, all of a sudden, I was looking behind me, and then I trip because the guy in front of me had tripped. So I fell over this guy. You actually fell on the ground? I fell on the ground on cobblestones. So I like almost hit my head and I was right in front of the kink and like the bulls are going to naturally hug as close to the kink as possible. Okay. You knew that? 
Um, yeah, because you if you watch videos ahead of time, you kind of see it. Because you, different... you studied up before you. So yeah, well, you got it. You got to go and prepare. <laughs> so um, I was like, holy shit! And like, there was no time to move or anything. So I just like, like got as close to the wall as possible. And I'd say like the bull got within like six feet of me. And like I like he he had his like horns lowered too, just to like keep balance mm-hmm. and like he i just saw this whole crowd of bulls just come right by me how fast and are they like, going i mean they run between 25 and 35 miles an hour damn holy cow so um literally holy cow yeah seriously <laughs> um so uh, uh they're they're pretty big yeah they're like over a thousand pounds um with these just giant horns so uh that was that was pretty scary, but I survived thankfully. Um, the one so they'll so they'll do that seven times, one time every day for a week, and um, so my day, no one got gored, but a couple people got flipped. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was this one of them was this Irishman that I actually met at a bar later, and like he was on top of the world. He was like, I survived the bulls. And he just bought shots for everyone. And he was just unbelievably drunk at like 8.30 in the morning. Like it was the coolest That's thing so ever. That's so funny. Like, just just the, the sheer camaraderie around people just like having ran with the bulls or people watching their friends run with the bulls mm-hmm. and then just going out afterwards and having a great time. It was just an unbelievable festival. Is is this something that you would consider like a bucket list a bucket? Bucket list experience. Definitely a bucket list experience, especially if you do it like smartly, yeah, intelligently. You're gonna, um, it's gonna be fine, and you're like not really gonna get hurt. Yeah. Um, I would definitely suggest going into the arena, like I was talking about really? earlier, with the bulls, just because like it's cool, man. Because there's a bunch of just like really macho dudes just messing with the bulls and like just thinking they're they're so cool. Um, Dang. And you can get out of the arena if you want. Like, you can climb over the wall. And so it's not like you're stuck in there for hours. Um, but, yeah, definitely a bucket list item. I would do it again. If you went, I'd go with you. Cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll make a trip of it. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm thinking about a Europe trip, but not for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting to do Europe for a while. Um, <clears throat> I've done uh, Southeast Asia, China, Peru. Always want to go to Peru. Dude, Peru is incredible. Under the Inca Trail. The Inca Trail. I didn't do the Inca Trail, but I, if I were to go back, Cindy really wants to go back, I would do the Inca Trail for sure. Um, I went to. I did go to Machu Picchu, though. Yeah, those are the only places I've gone. I've never been to Asia. I want to go. Asia's, Asia's a whole new place, man. Asia is a different world. Like, the thing about Asia that people don't understand is there's, like, there's a language barrier anywhere that you go. Um, but... There's never a letter barrier. So when you go to, you know, a Spanish speaking country, like whatever, you can still at least pronounce the the words. Maybe it's a little different here and there, but you go to China and not only can you not understand anybody that anybody, but you can't read anything and you can't even read a letter. It's just symbols. Yeah. And so you, you're like so lost all the time and can like put you in a completely different world. But um, Asia's cool. It, it's really interesting. I've only been to uh, – I've been to all of the communist countries. Wow. Because now Cuba is technically like not communist now. So I've been to Vietnam and China, which are the last two communist countries. Um, 
Okay, give me uh, one more quick story so so we can end it on something fun. Okay. Um. Yeah, China's not too fun. Yeah, communist <laughs> and oppression is just well, not I can, the best way to end it. I can talk about the rest of my trip. So yeah. basically, um, after the after the running of bulls, we were on this huge high, and uh, the rest of the time we were hiking, going from hostel to hostel. Um, but it was all walking. So I walked. I think it was a total of. <laughs> 600 kilometers 600 miles 600 miles um over the course of how many days or maybe it was over the course of we ended up doing it a lot faster we ended up uh making it 21 days okay and um no 24 so 21 plus an extra three with uh like there's an extra leg that you can add on okay so santiago is about a three-day hike from the city to the coastline itself and it's called Finisterra and it's where they originally thought was the end of the world it used to be considered the westernmost really? part of Europe yeah that's pretty cool so uh, like literally in Spanish it means like the end of the world and um, it's it's this amazing peninsula Dude, I, I feel like it only took ocean. one person to realize that that wasn't the end of the world yeah, I mean, like, they, like eventually they figured out that it was, and it's also not even the westernmost point of Europe, but like eventually, eventually they took. I figured it only took them like one week, like once they got there, like took a nap, and they're like, "Let's keep walking." <laughs> it wasn't the end of the world. Like, no, no, no. Finisterra is like the. It's to the ocean. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, like, okay. It's, okay. It's, this <laughs> it's this peninsula that sticks out in the middle of the ocean. I thought it was just like a city, and it no, just kept no, going. No, 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 no. It's <laughs> no, it's this. It's this huge. It's this long, skinny peninsula that just randomly goes in the middle okay. of the ocean, and it's, I got you. It, it just. It's really, really cool. That's funny. Um, and we watched the sunset. So like literally like the you technically back in the day they would think that they were the last person to see the sun is like kind of a way to put it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so that was really interesting. But that was the very end of the trip. At the beginning, we just started hiking. And what most people think of Spain, they think of like hot, dry, like warm area. But in the north, it's cold and wet. It just rains every night. And in the in like even in the summertime, it's going to be 50 degrees when you wake up, 45 yeah. degrees. And we were not prepared for that. So I was cold every just every every day you were just wet i don't know it was weird because like you'd be hiking and you'd like brush against trees or something and like you'd just be covered in water and you wouldn't dry out because there was no sun um so that was kind of a frustrating part um but eventually we got the hang of it and i guess like a cool story that i could end on um after the finisterra thing is we met up so you had you had like different friends along the way because yeah. everybody was hiking at different yeah, yeah. at different paces. So we met a lot of interesting people. We met one woman who like survived cancer two times, and she like now she just spends her time doing this trail over and over again. Oh, um, that's interesting. Some of the different trails, so there oh, were like okay. different ways to get to the same place. We met a guy from Sweden with his German girlfriend who was like an economics major um, in school. Um, but then we met these two German kids that were like our age. And they were just goofballs, like mm-hmm. Rosencrans and Guildenstern. And it was just, uh, we like really got along right away because they're like, oh, hey, like literally two guys our age, two guys our age, you're American, we're German, like let's just hang out. Yeah. They spoke English pretty well. German people are fun. Yeah, they are fun. And uh, they can put down beer. Yeah. Like that. But they basically, can. they were like, they were like a lot more spontaneous than we were. We had like kind of a planned out trip and they're like, yo, like we have plenty of time in the day. Like, let's just keep hiking and figure it out. Like, like, uh, I, I heard that there's like a hostel, like, I don't know, five kilometers further that way. Um, and otherwise like, we'll just figure it out. And we're like, Oh yeah, sure. Whatever. Like we just kind of hung out yeah. with them. And, um, 
it was cool because when you're forced to be creative about like where you're staying, you find some really cool spots. Oh, for sure. So we uh, we hiked the five kilometers. The hostel that we were trying to get into was totally full, and we're like, "Hey, <laughs> we're like, shit, okay." Can we sleep on the floor? Uh, like, sun sun was supposed to go down in like an hour, and the guy, and so we asked the guy running the um the hostel, uh, "Hey, like, where can we go stay? Like, is is there yeah. is there something we can do?" And he's like, "Well, you can't stay here, but um, there's a there's a nice restaurant like a kilometer up the road, and you can ask them if like maybe you could sleep on a table or something." And uh, and we're like. All right. Yeah, <laughs> so we just had to, good to figure me. it out because what else are we going to do? Yeah. So we hiked. It's like a kilometer is like, what, 0.6 miles. Um, so we hiked and eventually we found it. We, and, you know, we were carrying everything that we had. Mm-hmm. So we had like a change yeah. of clothes, a little bit of food, stuff like that. And um, we saw the restaurant. But then it's cool. So the restaurant was at the coast of this very – it's this huge bay surrounded by cliffs. And then the middle of the bay, there was this just giant rock sticking out of the ocean with like a tiny little like some like pebbles that you can walk out on to get onto the rock sweet so we're like oh well that's where we're gonna be going right mm-hmm. so we uh we're like we're not gonna sleep in the restaurant we're gonna sleep outside because it looked clear enough um so uh we get out there and we get on the pebbles and then we find a way up the rock and there's this like flat um there's this flat grass area um that we could all lay our sleeping bags out on so we're like wow we found a place to sleep all right perfect um so we're like well what are we going to do for the next like hour or two before we like go to sleep um because we didn't have food either so did you have beer we didn't have beer we didn't have food but for some reason one of the german kids was carrying a bag of flour and a packet of yeast and he's like yeah i really like baking and i wanted to bake bread at some point so i've been carrying this like two pound bag of flour and uh so he's like let's make a let's let's make um open fire bread and i'm like excuse me what is that he's like i'll show you so i'll go ahead and make the dough you make a fire so i had to go out and and find some limbs back on the mainland mm-hmm. and bring them over with back his on the buddy. mainland back on the mainland bring them over with his buddy and we're like we're making a fire okay so that's that so um they like the guy that i got the limbs with was an equivalent of a boy scout in germany and i, I was an eagle scout so we were kind of bonding over that nice really really nerdy stuff you know very and uh uh so <laughs> we were uh, we, we got these limbs and we put together a fire and started it like really going and we and it was actually really cool because like we were in the middle of the ocean you could hear the waves crashing around you we were on this giant rock and we had a fire which is I don't know there's just something like calming about a fire yeah. in the middle of everything and he made the dough and he got us to get sticks and you wrap around the dough like pigs in a blanket but instead of a um instead of a hot dog it's the stick itself and you cook it over the fire and you see the dough rise and everything and then eventually once it starts browning on the outside that means that the inside is also browned and it doesn't stick to the wood so you can slide it right off and you basically have like bread right so, there but it's like in a, in a spiral it's like a or? spiral so you can like see through it like a hole and uh, it was some of the best bread i've ever had because we made it ourselves like it was just it was like such a it was such a production to do it um and uh yeah we were we just kind of like hung out with them and just had the time of our <laughs> lives we were like I don't know. We were 19 year olds. We were just yeah. joking about stuff and just like that's, sharing different stories. That's the only kind of, that's an experience that you can like only get when you're traveling. Exactly. For sure. And like, and just up for whatever. Right? Yeah. So, um, and then we like didn't have tents or anything. So we just slept under the stars mm-hmm. and when we woke up, we realized just how close we were to the cliff that went into the ocean. Like if we had like rolled over or anything, yeah. we would have just gone straight in. Um, 
And we woke up. Uh, there was so we had this little grass area, and there was a kind of a jagged rock that went up. So like we all went up to watch the sunrise, nice. and uh, we saw all the fishing boats come out from all the fishing villages, and you can see them like go out into the ocean to like catch shrimp and fish and whatever. That sounds incredible. But now look at you. You went from you went from sleeping, you went from sleeping almost rolling off a cliff in a sleeping bag under the stars to getting your bed made every single day by housekeeping. And it's the American dream. It's the American dream and drinking good beer. Cheers to that. And that's the truth with some cheese on it.